Count money, man. Money, Stack man. riches. Trying to told, told him I'm a beast, bud. What's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Grindcast. Get ready. It's a new day. We got a special, special guest in the house today. Um, trying to play it cool, but I'm, I, I got to be real with you, man. I'm super excited to have you. <laughs> In the in the Grindcast studio today, man, it was it was uh, a dream come true for you to say yes to uh, coming on to the podcast today. So we got James Debo Harrison in the house, former Pittsburgh Steeler, All Pro linebacker, five time All Pro, two time Super Bowl champion, uh, current Steelers record holder with uh, eighty and a half sacks, I believe, the most sacks out of any Steeler, 15-year NFL vet. Um, and then one of the famous plays that he's known for is the interception, 100-yard interception return in the Super Bowl, arguably one of the greatest Super Bowl plays, definitely defensively of all time. Uh, what stands out about this gentleman is also was undrafted and went from undrafted cut multiple times before he made it in the NFL to defensive player of the year. Talk about overcoming some adversity. You know, it's one thing to be a first-round draft pick, first person taken overall, and it's another thing to take the dirty route, the grind route, cut multiple times, undrafted to defensive player of the year. And I know we got a lot of our listeners uh, are sports fans, but some are not. Mm-hmm. And a lot of business folks. So for the business folks out there that that aren't into football as much, to go from undrafted uh, to defensive player of the year, I think the only person at that time, I don't know if it's been done since never then. Never been done since. Never been done. Never was done before. Or never since. been done before, never been done since. That's how hard it is to do, to go from undrafted to basically the voted on the best defensive player in all of the NFL is unheard of. So that has a lot more to do with heart, mindset, gut, and grit, uh, probably even more so than physical gifts and talents, which is what I'd like to open up with is talking a little bit about uh, the adversity that you went through, you know, being cut three times, going to NFL Europe, Mm -hmm. coming back, getting cut again, uh, you were just talking to me about five or six years it took you to even be a starter, you know, mm-hmm. from that point forward. How did you get through that adversity? It was just, uh, you know, to be honest with you, getting through it the first time was basically just me sitting down and being like, you know what, I need to learn what I'm doing. Like my first year, dude, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I'd literally stop in the middle of a play like, yo, practice, get me out of here, I don't know what I'm doing. Because they start motioning and then Dick LeBeau's defense, dude, it is hard. You you change you you get emotion in enough. You go from just free blitz to you're covering somebody man to man, you know. So for me, it was, you know, I needed to mature and sit down and start to learn and understand and comprehend the game. And, you know, that gave me a, a better chance of, of sticking around. And, you know, I was always told that I was too slow, I was too short, you know, I, I was too, you know, slow whatever it may be for the game so when you tell me something that i can't do that drives me to prove you wrong like people who's like oh you're gonna do this you're gonna do that it's great i don't my motivate i don't that's cool that's not my motivation but somebody to tell me i can't do something i'm not gonna do something you'll never be nothing that's the person i want to prove wrong 
So it was just, you know. How often did you hear you were too small, too slow? When did you start oh, hearing man, I that? Started, I started hearing that as soon as the draft started. Like, as soon as, you know, they started, yeah, you know, we'd like a lot, little more size. You know, the prototype linebacker that they wanted then was, you know, 6'3", 250. You know, they wanted those those type of guys. You know, I was six foot, you know, like 240 at the time, 230 at the time. So that was the prototype they were looking for. And then, you know, you fast forward and you get into 2000, you know, eight, nine. Now, all of a sudden, the looking prototype is now speed. six foot, little short dudes like me they're trying mm-hmm. to get. You got Doomerville and all those guys like that. And they're trying to, you know, they're trying to get that same. But it's an issue with trying to do that if the guy doesn't have a extremely high motor for one and has to be strong because these guys are going to lay on you and to get around that All corner. That weight. Oh yeah. And to get around that corner, you got to be able to withstand that. Yeah. I see even uh, looking at one of your signature moves was that old dip and rip, you know, around, it's around actually, the outside. It's actually a dip. So I'm, I'm waiting on him to shoot his hand. I want him to shoot his hand. So when he shoot his hand, I actually catch it. So it's a, Slap, rip here, pushing his hand down here, grabbing his arm up under here, and holding here and coming and using the it corner. to pull you through. Yeah. So if he goes to pull it out, all he's doing is pulling back and helping me make the corner short. The best thing he could do is just try and back straight up. Yeah. That's a lot to think about in that quick time that you do it. Some guys were good at it, you know. Some guys weren't. And then after that, you got to be able to withstand the bull rush because they both look the Seemed same. Seemed like you just dominated with. Like that was like the one move. Even if people knew, moves. even if people moves. knew it was coming, they just couldn't. They looked the couldn't same. stop it. Bruce, I, I think it was Bruce Lee that said, "I don't fear the man that knows a hundred kicks. I fear the man that knows one kick and practices it a hundred times or a thousand times." Oh yeah, and it, it yeah, seems gotta, like that gotta, fits the the yeah, model. You got to be able to master something. You know what I'm saying? And for me, the speed bull, the dude that got me doing the speed bull was Kevin Green. He came in. You know, and uh, that's what he taught us, speed bull. Wow. Up the field, three steps or five steps, you cut and you and you just bull into him. So I would do that same move, and then instead of bulling them, it looked like I'm turning the bull. They shoot their hand out, slap rip, come around the corner. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd go a whole half and just bull a dude, bull a dude, bull a dude, bull him. Get him already. Bull him. Get him set and heavy. Set on that. And then come the second half, bull him, come around the corner. Bull him, come around the corner. So the adversity, back to the mental adversity, because I think that's huge. You know, I mean, people get cut from something. You're going to get rejected in business, you know, starting out things that don't always, people don't grasp everything Mm -hmm. immediately. But a lot of people quit. You know, most people quit under the first sniff of adversity. Well, this this is one thing. The reason I didn't quit is because I never really gave it all that I had. You know, when I sat down and, you know, I actually, you know, it was two years in, I actually learned everything. And, you know, I knew all the positions. I could play inside, outside. I could play, you know, either right or left outside, Mac or Buck on the inside. And I was doing well on special teams. So, like, I would literally sit at night, dude, and I had a bed. I just lay my bed on the floor. And I had no TV, nothing, no radio, nothing. And whenever I got back to my room, all I did was study. That's all I did was study. And, you know, it. it so you got up, obsessed. Oh, no, I didn't get obsessed. I said, if I'm not going to make it, it's going to be because I'm not doing everything necessary. Like, it's going to be 
I gave it every because if I didn't make it after that, after my third time when I came back, I was done. It wasn't meant to be. It wasn't in the cars. I was going to go get a regular job like everybody else, and I was going to be cool with me. I had no issue with that. Yeah. But, but you was going to give it everything right. before you bowed out. Oh, yeah. Most people don't get cut that many times, though. Anyway, you slice it and say, I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep coming back. I'm going to keep coming back. Got, Something mentally dude, had to kick in. It's, no, it's just uh, it's something like, well, that was before, you know, I, I ended up meeting Coach LeBeau, but Coach LeBeau had a good saying. He said, never get too high with the highs, never get too low with the lows. He said, you're never as bad as they say you are, but you're never as good as you think you are. Come so on. that uh, that helped me to, to keep even kill, especially when I started having a little bit of, you know, success. And the drive, you know, that just, that just comes from my parents, man. You know, I'm the youngest of 14. So to say, you know, we had to get it out the mud a little bit, yeah, we had to get out the mud a little bit. I know your mom has, uh, from what I understand, impacted you greatly. I think I saw an interview where, you know, they was talking about the the mean oh, you're talking look about and the attitude, you know, and, they, and and I forget they said, you know, did that come from a spirit of, you know, the Steelers greats, you know, linebackers, and you said, no, that come from my mom, you know. Yeah, I said <laughs> that's that where come, I learned I that, that from. from Mildred and James Harrison. Yeah, so we're we're. Uh, what did you, what what things did you grab from your mom? What what impact my dad, has dude, she my, made? My, my dad, my my dad was a, a a big guy about work, you know, and and he was an extremely hard worker, you know. What did my, he do for work? My dad was a delivery driver for maintenance uh, for janitorial supplies in Akron. Mm-hmm. It was called a Portage Broom Brush. I actually started working there when I was twelve, dude. Like I would get for off from school, seventh grade, ride the bus go down and clean up the offices and he'd take me back home because he'd be coming in, you know, finishing. And, um, that was, uh, that was actually my first job, but I actually, I think I worked there until I was, until I went to college, dude. Like, so hard work was nothing like, you know, coming in, buffing and scrubbing floors. Like I, I was doing that, you know, 13, 14 years old with, yep. it, you know, and that was just work ethic, you know, even after hours, so you got just, the work ethic oh, from no your question, dad. No question. No doubt about it, dude. My dad said, if you go do something, you do it the best you can, and you don't do it no less, you know. Otherwise, there's no need to do it, you know. So, you know, my dad, he had <laughs> he had actually, uh, he was going to pull me out of out of football one time because he was like, uh, you don't look like you're giving it all. I'm like, you know, I'm trying, you know, whatever it may be. I probably wasn't, you know, when you think about it. But uh, he goes, when you get on that field, you ain't got no friends. You treat everybody the same, like they your worst enemy. You give them everything you can on that practice field. When you get done off that practice field, you can be their friends again. But when you're on that practice field, you're on that game field, you ain't got no friends. So that's really how I started to uh, to approach the game. You know? Where where did did he play sports? My dad played. Up? My dad played like a little sports in uh, high school, but you know, my dad was born in 1940. You know, back in the G, so a little different there. Yep. Yep. Big time. So you got the work ethic from your dad, and then what what things would you say you got from your oh, mother? Oh, I got work ethic from my mother, too. You know, it's, it's a combination. My mom and dad, you know, uh, were together 40-plus years before my dad passed in uh, 2016. But, um, you know, everything that is me is them. You know what I'm saying? Everything that you see here is 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 the coordinated, you know, parenting of, of them and, and the work ethic that they instilled in me. You know, um, a lot of people 
they go and they see me with my mom. They're like, oh, you look just like your mom. You're a mom. And then as soon as they see me with my dad, they're like, oh, no, he spit you out. Yeah, yeah he did. <laughs> how much of the how much of this uh, success that you've had in the game was skill versus will? Like what percentage would you say was, man, I, I did have some special gifts? Because you, you don't get that far without having some gifts. You know, just like you was over here telling me it wouldn't have mattered if I'd have had another year yeah, or not of eligibility in high school based off of what I got. Yeah. Based, based where you at right now, baby. Wouldn't, wouldn't matter, matter, right? No. It, so so for me, um, what a lot of people don't know is I had some skill. You know, um, I got into a little bit of trouble when I was in high school. So originally, I could have went everywhere, anywhere I wanted. I had offers from, you know, Ohio State to Nebraska, Notre Dame, all that. But I was facing... Uh, six months jail time in my last, you know, part of my senior year. So a lot of schools dropped out and I was left with, you know, Kent. And, you know, they was like, we still want you. So that's where I went. And then when I got there, the coach that brought me in ended up getting fired. So at I, Kent, mm -hmm. who brought you in at Kent? Uh, Corgo. Okay. He brought me in at Kent and then I was ineligible because I had to do a prop. My grades wasn't good enough. Yep. To, so, and yep. I messed my prop up. And then they ended up firing the coach and bringing in a different coach. Man, Dean, you really did have the long route. Dude, Dean The Pease, hard route. They, they brought in Dean Pease, who's the D coordinator for – well, actually, he just – I think he just retired from Atlanta, but he was D coordinator for Baltimore, um, the Ravens – no, yeah, the, that's the same team, uh, New England and New England. And he was the head coach. He was D coordinator at Michigan State. So he was actually one of the dudes that were recruiting me at that time. But when he ended up getting the Kent – he didn't even know I was there. It was one of my friend's uh, dads was like, yo, you got somebody here that is probably one of your best players, but you ain't got him on the team. And he ended up, because I was out of football. Like, I couldn't do nothing with him for two years. So I only got, only got to play three years. And um, he's like, well, who is it? He's like, James Harris. He's like, well, shit, I kind of, yeah, I kind of remember the name. So I ended up going in there and meeting with him. And, um, He's like, well, man, what a game gotta, changer right there. He's like, you got to get, you got to get. Imagine if progress. that conversation didn't happen. Hey, listen, man, everything happens for a reason. No doubt. Yeah. And the crazy part is my friend, he was actually supposed to go to Pitt, but they uh, uh, took away a scholarship and probably gave it to somebody else. And he ended up going to Kent. That's the only reason he was there. Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. It's a, it's a whole chain of events that, you know, had to go through for me to be where I'm at right You've now. been in a lot of locker rooms, and, uh, you know, I've been in some locker rooms. I've never been in an NFL locker room, but I've been mm -hmm. in a high school and a college locker room. And I know as a, as a former captain uh, myself, I knew how to bring people together and how to click with people from all different demographics. But out of 50, 60, 100 people on a team at any given time, not everybody's always going to get along or be your favorite person, you know, mm -hmm. out of 80, 90, 100 people. How do you, how do you think you were able to, y'all were able to, what advice would you give to somebody that's in a locker room that has, you know, people in that locker room, we got to bring people together. We got to have everybody united, but maybe not everybody is a hundred percent 
getting along all the time or not everybody's your best friend? How do you still bring that together? So in the, in the NFL, it's a little different because you go through a whole process of, you know, you got interviews, you're trying to find out what type of personality they are, even though they're, you know, they're great players. You got to make sure that this is the type of person that you want in your locker room. Fits your culture. A, right. It's not, it's not going to be a cancer to your locker room. So for me, when I got to Pittsburgh, the OGs was, you know, Joey Porter and Jason Gillen. And I was a practice squad dude, but you wouldn't be able to tell because they treated me just like the rest of the fellas. You know, it's like, hey, we're going here, we're doing this, you know, we're going to be here doing this, come on out, you know. And even when I went out, like, they looked out. They, they, I ain't paid for nothing, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I think it's the your older players who are there and know what it takes to, to keep that bond going and, and keep building that and not letting uh, – different individuals be individuals, you know, and you, 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 you buy into the team concept, you buy into to the roles that are, that are given. And to be honest with you, nowadays you have nothing like that. Like the locker rooms. I mean, you can look at social media and see that right now, that it's, it's not really that big of a, of a buy-in where you have whole teams that are just together. Like when we went out, it was 25, 35 guys at one place, offense, defense, starters, non-starters, you know, it didn't matter. The relationships, oh, yeah. the bonds. Mm -hmm. You think these, like the Chiefs, you know, or teams like that, do you think they have some of that? Oh, definitely. You have to have. You have to, that. right? Yeah, you to have win to at have. that level. You can't. You can't. You can't have guys out there to just you know totally hate each other, and they're going to just go out and make it work when it's time to you know make it work. No doubt. I mean, you'll you'll do you'll be able to do enough, but I don't think you're going to win championships with that. Without the bonds mm -hmm. and the team together, mm -hmm. what what people stand out to you um, that have made a difference? Um, in your life as far as coaches go what you know from middle school all the way through your nfl career anything stick out about certain things you've uh, learned from certain coaches well, well the biggest two that stick out for me is uh keith butler who was my linebackers coach and dick LeBeau. where at here pittsburgh, pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. best best linebacker coach i ever had um the understanding and knowledge and how to explain it to you so that you could go out there, get it done, understand it, grasp it, and and put it into action. Uh, Dick LeBeau, greatest mind, defensive mind that I have ever seen in in the game. If you ask me, um, his defense, the three four fire zone, it's a thing of beauty. As long as you are doing one hundred percent what you're supposed to do, everybody's on the same page, and you have one person mess up and they could strike up the whole band. So that was why it takes or it took a little longer time to be a starter in his defense because of the knowledge, the learning curve. You have like a a little nuance in every defense that if this one thing happens, it changes what you're supposed to do drastically. Yeah, one person goes in motion. If this one thing happens, it may not ever happen. Like, But if this one thing happens, they come out and – you know, trips and they make quads. Now you got to get up, go over here and cover number four, man to man, where before you got the blitz free. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And if you don't know that through the course of learning and understanding that, because that's like the one thing in the back of your head that you're like, you're not even thinking about that. You know, you're like, I'm blitzing, I'm gone. You know, some I was tunnel visual, you know, when I was first playing. Like, all I could see was here, you know, trying to see the whole thing. 
and know that, oh man, if this tight end comes in and motion's over, it's gonna change something. Right. That was hard. Anybody inside or outside the game, other than mom and dad, look back on your life, connect the dots, and you're like, man, this person, these people made a, they impacted me majorly. You know, I look back at these moments or these things. Anything stick out to you? I can't, I can't really say that, man. And, and that's like, you know, people are like, you know, who was your idols, you know, growing up and da da da, man, da da da. I ain't have to go nowhere outside my house. I had James and Mildred Harrison right there. That's all I need. So mom and dad. No question. Just great parents. No question. Similar similar things. And, and, and give you a hug and a kiss, too, after they get done. Whoop your ass. Tell you I love give, you. And, and give you yes. a hug and kiss. Okay, and so I'm, deep. I'm, I'm whooping your ass because I love you. So I feel like I already know the answer then. But as a dad, you got two boys. Mm-hmm. Do you believe in, in tough yes. love? Give them a little spank if I, they I, need I, it. I believe in discipline. Um, my thing is this. I'm not going to sit there and yell at you and get mad and then hit you because I'm hitting you out of anger now. I'm going to tell you something one time. If I got to tell you again, I'm going to spank that ass. Other than that, you get parents that are like, oh, no, don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Now they want to hit them. They want to hit them because they're mad. They're not hitting them out of, out of love and correction. Yeah. Like The thing I truly believe is discipline. To discipline kids between the ages of two and six, that's when you get the most out of it. And I believe that because you can't reason with them. Like people want to sit there and try and talk to their two and three and four year old. He don't understand that if he touched his socket, it's going to kill him. He don't understand what that, that is. You can't get him to understand and reason that through and just like a lot of other things. But I could tell him, don't touch that. Now, if he goes back there and he touches that, I spank his hand. Now he knows like, you know what? I ain't going to touch that no more. I'm going to get pain. I'm going to get my hand popped. Right. Because I can't sit there and reason. With. Now, as right. they get older, you're like, hey, like my kids now, 15 to 13. I don't need to spank no ass now. I'm like, I'm taking this game. I'm doing this. You're on. Like, that hurts them more. They, they'd they be willing. Like, dad, just go ahead. Give me. Just go ahead. Give me them licks. Right. So don't I can take go the ahead. game. Yeah. Don't, don't take, take the game. game. Go ahead. Give me them. Nope. Yeah. Too late. That's how I was. Like, I turned 16. I'm like, oh, dang. I guess I got to take this whooping. I ain't tripping. She's like, hey, you want punishment? I'm like, what's punishment? What that mean? You can't go nowhere. That car don't go nowhere. Go to school and back. I'm like, what? I'm like, can I just take this whooping? She's like, nope. Nope. So that started hurting me more than, you know, actually, I wanted to just go ahead and take the licks real quick, keep it moving. Yeah. So as a as a parent, you know, kids, your kids are going to uh, N.A. Mm-hmm. right now. One of the better uh, schools from an education standpoint mm-hmm. in the state uh, of PA, great sports background. Um, maybe, I don't know, you know, you grew up, you said, I think 13, 14 uh, siblings. Mm-hmm. Maybe, 14. A, maybe a little bit different than how you came up. Oh, yeah. Or, or you know, what you have access to, or, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure at my this kids, point my they kids, figured my out. My kids are, 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 are privileged. A lot of people want to say, your kids are spoiled, James. No, my kids aren't spoiled. My kids are privileged. They get things because I have things. Mm-hmm. Now, spoiled is when you get something you don't deserve. That's like me saying, hey, son, you want the new Jordans? I'm going to go ahead and break down and get you new Jordans. You want some Balenciaga? I'm going to get you some Balenciagas, all that. But you came home with a 2.5. The hell, you ain't getting nothing. No, that don't work like that. Or 
you're acting up. Hey, you're acting crazy. And I'm still like, yeah, I'm going to go ahead, do this and do that. That's that's called spoil, you know. So they give me what I want. Now, my kids are very privileged. Now, you, you bring me, you know, three, five, three, six, four point oh, all that. You can you can almost get anything you want. Like, can you create toughness in a privileged environment? You can't create the toughness that I grew up with or that you grew up with, you know, where you came from nothing, you had nothing, because it's a little different toughness. Like, you got to have a little bit of street toughness and all that. You know, they ain't, you know, ain't nothing going down in, in you know, Wexford, you know what I'm saying? In these streets of Wexford, you know what right. I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's a little something that you you can't, you know, you can't get. And and to be honest with you, that's not something I want them to have. You know, I could be like, yo, let's move back to Akron where, right. you know, I grew. no, right. hell no. I did all that to get up out of there, you know right. what I'm saying? So you didn't have to you know, worry about that. You know, you have less to worry about, I would say. So toughness, um, I mean, my son, you know, they try and, and, and mimic toughness, especially with like if something's hurt or, you know, uh, they hit, you know, get something hit. They, they try not to, you know, whine and cry about it. Like my son, he uh, didn't have his mouthpiece in. This dude bit through his whole tongue. I know it had to hurt. Mm. He's like, it's nothing. I'm, he goes back in the game. Like, I'm sitting there. I'm like, dude, if I bit my tongue, I'll be ready to get up out of here. For now. real. For real. Dude bit through his whole tongue, bro. <laughs> Ain't nothing that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> no doubt. That's toughness right there. Yeah. yeah. Linebacker? Mm-hmm. Playing mm-hmm. linebacker? Yeah, he playing linebacker. Yeah. Both of them? Yeah. Yeah, linebacker, running back. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Did you play running back? Man, check my records, man. I was, I was, I was. That's what I got recruited to Old State for and Nebraska. Running As back. a running back, yeah. Okay, come on so now. That's they had where, Lawrence that's where, and Eddie that's where the skill came from on, on the on the pick six. Come on now, you got to put it to use a little bit. I'm trying to tell you, man. I'm going ahead and get my tape, man. Were I had, you fast or was I you like? I average. Hey, listen, I average ten eight a carry. You know what I'm saying? So you know, I was decent. You okay, know? what division? I don't even remember. Like maybe three. Is that Ac- what, what, what was it, Akron what? No, I didn't go to – so I was supposed to go to Bookton. Okay. But um, my coach, Mo Tipton, so I went to a private Catholic school my yep. freshman year. Yep. And I ended up leaving there in the middle of my freshman year and going to um, Hoban. I mean, going to Bookton. The coach from there ended up leaving and going to Coventry. He came and got me from Bookton and – uh, brought me to Coventry. So you went to Coventry. Yeah, so that's when they started like uh, opening Roman. Okay. Yeah. Hoban's killing it right now, ain't they? Dude, they don't. They did they? I think they just lost, but they was winning state titles like back to back. Yeah. Yeah. You know why, right? Why? Coaches from the yo. He from where? From Youngstown. Nah, they ain't why, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Look at the coaching tree from Youngstown. Bunch of stud coaches from Youngstown. I'm gonna check it out, then. Go ahead. Uh, best leaders, best leaders, you've been around in the game that stick out to you from a leadership standpoint. Um, High school, college players, coaches. When you think leaders, any anybody's anybody. Well, like stick I said, I, I got to go to my OGs. You know, I got to go to you know Peasy, Joey Porter, um, Jason Gill. You know, I got to go to the guys that was in my, you know, in my room. That were, what, what sticks out to you that made them great leaders? They brought everybody together, no matter what it was. 
You know, it's it's a coordinated effort for for team. You know what I'm saying? Bonding, building. What did they do to build those bonds, relationships? We spent more time outside of football. Time outside of the game. Yeah. Time outside of football, you know, with each other. Then sometimes, you know, I did with my family, bro. Like, real talk. Like, you know, you spend, you know, whatever, eight, nine hours, and then you go, you know, hang out for another three, four hours. You know, you go home. By the time you get home, you just sleep, and you're up and back out. No doubt. Hours during the season. What is what does a season look like? You know, for somebody, man, it looks fun in games. You know, to play in it the NFL. It depends on the person and what they do. So. What is what is what is a what do you think it takes to be successful at that level from a in in season standpoint? You got to put in the work, dude. That's all. That's all. There's to it. All like you what gotta, time you start and what time you, gotta, you getting done. For me personally, from, from recovery to film to well, see, practice. For me, to, I'm up at you know I'm up at four. You know, and I'm to the gym by five. So I like to work out before we start anything. And then, you know, you start doing your meetings, you do your meetings. You so you've been doing more. that? Because I know you, you do that now. I get up now. at three now, yeah. You get up at three now? Yeah. 3 a.m.? Huh? What you doing at 3 a.m.? I'm doing everything I need to do before the sun rises. So I got to get up, got to take my supplements. I gotta read. I gotta read my Bible. Love it. I got to um, do some little work on the computer, and then I shoot out of there and try and get to the gym by five o'clock. You know what I'm saying? And if I don't have a lot of other stuff to do, then I'll get there at four forty-five or something. If I got other stuff to do, I may come later. Love it. Five thirty. Why do you like doing it? I do too. Because I have nothing so early. Because there's nothing that can pop up and get in the way. You can't. Oh, we moved the meeting. Oh, uh, this happened. Uh, the it's some emergency with the kids or something. They're asleep. You know, uh, it's ain't no banks. Ain't, ain't ain't nobody running no clock. It ain't nothing starting till eight. Right. Can't nothing change. So between that, you know, that three and that seven, it's nothing that can interrupt me. What time do you get to bed? It depends. Sometimes I, I'm dead tired and I'm like I'm going to sleep at seven thirty eight o'clock. Sometimes I'm you know, 10, 11, back up at, you know, three. It just really depends. Average hours of sleep? Four to six. Now it's probably more like five to seven. Okay. When I was playing those, yeah, easily four to six. You run good on, oh, on yeah. that? You feel yeah. good? Yeah. Rested? Yeah. All that? Well, I take, you know, I take some, um, I take I take the neuro. And when I pop up, it's like, I don't care if I sleep four hours. Love that stuff. Yeah, bro. I don't care if I sleep four don't hours. Don't taste good, but that's yeah. fine. It gets, I scoop. It gets I, dry, I dry scoop it. I dry scoop two or three. Depends on. Chase it with water mm-hmm. at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After workouts too. Love it. To you know bring. I down. get great sleep on that. Yeah. I'm empty on it. By the way. Yeah, I got you. Um. Other than the Super Bowl pick that everybody knows, you know, mm-hmm. I think most other favorite. You talking know. about slamming the Browns fan? You know, I'm if a I, Browns fan. That's all right. Everybody got their faults. Uh, you know. If I had knew that they wasn't going to do nothing to me, I'd have put a little more into that one. I'd Slamming the Browns fan. Man, I threw his arm How did that go down? So everything. out of all the things, not even a play, this is your – This is your. and I got some of my dogs. Like most of my most of my dogs are Steelers fans. Like in Youngstown is split. Mm-hmm. Browns and Steelers. Yeah. Most of – all my friends I grew up with are Steelers fans, so I've been taking them to Steelers games. We get a row 
because most of my friends never went to a game at all, professional mm-hmm. game. So we started that almost 10 years ago. We get a whole row and we go, we go watch a Steelers game. Most of them are Steelers fans, and they love getting on me any any chance they possibly can. So they're going to love this answer that your favorite it wasn't even a play. Yeah. Was slamming a Browns fan. Yeah. How did that go down? Well, what happened? Where was it at? It was in Cleveland, you know. In and Cleveland. Yeah. That's just disrespectful. And dude, it just ran out on the field, and uh, Ron Haynes was sitting at the tail, and he. When dude came running, he kind of took off a little bit, like he was running away from. So I had to go get some of our street credit back. You know what I'm saying? And he was bouncing back towards us, and I'm like, "Yeah, I'm about to go out here and just slam him real quick. I think I'm gonna hold him down, wait till the police get there." So I picked him up, and I slammed him, and I started to throw his arm behind his back. But I'm like, "No, nah, I might hurt his arm." Like the police? Yeah, I started to give him all that right. He was but like, I'm about I, to I get said, fined right, again now. I said, I'm going to throw him down. I hadn't got fined ever before that. Oh, that, that is that so, where it all started? No. Hell, okay. I ain't get fined for that. Okay. Not at all. They got him for criminal trespass. Felony. They said felony trespass and some shit like that. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold his arm in front of him. So then he grabs my face mask. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, he looks up. He's like, oh, I got your ass now. <laughs> He had to be hammered. Dude, oh, he, he was gone. He grabbed face mask and said, I got you he now. He said, I got your ass now. Oh, my <laughs> it's God. Like, okay. So I took this I took this forearm, and I had his hand here, and I just started pressing my hand down into, it, down into his throat. And by then, the police came, and they started grabbing him. Now, when I got down with him, he didn't have a scratch on him. Dude, they came over there. They had a foot on his head, on his jaw. Dude, one dude, after I got up, he stumps his foot down on him like this, and then he looks at me like, you see that? <laughs> dude, he was bloody. He was bloody by the time he got up. Oh, man. But yeah, that was that was probably the, that was one of the. Whatever the happened moments. to dude? He ended up getting, um, he had to go to jail every time this, the, uh, the Browns played. I think he had to sit in jail for like, was it two or three seasons? He couldn't go back for like Every five. Every time the Browns played, he had to go to jail? hmm That's crazy. Actually, I think they did an interview him because, you know, I'm from Ohio, Akron, or whatever. Yeah. And um, he was like, that helped him to start sobriety. Yeah. So. Everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Pet, what pet peeves you got? Any pet peeves? Like, man, people wouldn't know, but this, this like, sets you off. Hmm. I ain't got nothing like that, really. Like, my pet peeve is entitlement. Like, if people are entitled to something, ungrateful, that's something that kind of gets under my skin. Nothing gets under your skin like that? Not really, man. Best player you played against? Um, I'd have to say it was Joe Thomas. Good tackle. He could, he could withstand a bull rush. From, from where now? From Cleveland. He could withstand a bull rush in the past game. So um, that's the best player you played against? As far as the Didn't past. he just go into the Hall of Fame? I don't know. I think Is that, he I th- eligible? I yeah, think he, that, yeah, I think he, he just got if invited. He did, if he's eligible, I'm yeah. pretty sure he did. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he was yeah, he was probably one of the best. Why would you say that? Because he could he could withstand a bull rush and he could get his arm, you know, in and out of there. He was a late-hand late, late hand shooter. So, so he he didn't ex- extend an, he too waited. much. Yeah, he yeah. would wait. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how much of that was studying 
film or how much of that was just instinct with mm-hmm. him, I wonder. Work ethic, uh, in your opinion, because that's something that I do know that I can testify uh, because I'm up early a lot uh, in the gym, and I've seen you in the gym for years, mm-hmm. you know, getting it in. That work ethic is is rare to see people up pushing that hard early in the morning. Uh, knowing to come up, you know, I just would assume there was some form of, of discipline and work ethic in the league. You know, you see people that get drafted first round, mm-hmm. second round, third round, first day all the time and don't end up an all pro and you're an all pro five times. How, how much how much of the game would you would you say over the longevity of it? Because you also played 15 years, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So to make it a decade plus decade and a half. How much of it is is skill set? How much of it would you say is discipline, work ethic, things of that nature that makes somebody special? So I would say fifty percent of it is skills. Um the other fifty percent is health. 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 Staying healthy. Staying healthy. You gotta be able to stay healthy. The older you get, the easier it is for you to get hurt. For sure. The longer it takes you to recover. So the biggest thing that I did is I spent a lot of money on building and recovering from workouts, training, games, all that. You know, I would spend anywhere from, you know, three to five hundred thousand dollars a year on my body recovery, workout treatment and all that, so that I was able, you know, to play as long as I did. Man. I remember seeing that. Yeah. I remember seeing you as one of the first, and I don't know if you were the first, but to me, I remember you being the first person that jumped out to me as like, dude, spending four or 500 bands on his body mm-hmm. is what See, you're think saying. about this. Think about but this. But I get it. As a business owner, I'm like, man, this is this cat's business. Right. My body that's an is investment. my business. That's is exactly. That's an investment. If I tell you right now, I say, hey, man, you know, give me 400000 in a year, I'm going to give you five, 10 million back. You go Great investment. It. Exactly. A lot of guys can't see that because, oh, that's just so much money. But the same guys that can't see that and, and invest in that in their body will go to Vegas and drop 20000 No doubt. You can't even write that off. I could write mine off. Right. Business investment. No question. No doubt. I think people got to look. I've seen that here in my own business of people that look at it that way. they rather not spend, you know, the money. Mm-hmm. And reinvest it back into their business to grow the business, but then they'll blow money on other stuff. And then you got people that live opposite that they'll invest that money into the business, and you understand, oh man, I spent a hundred grand, but I got five hundred grand back. Right. Twelve months later, is that that's a hundred percent the way that you saw it? Oh yeah, yeah. To what be honest with you, you I, I I didn't see it as that to begin with as an investment. I saw it as just trying to keep me healthy, a way to make me feel better so I could play better. You know. And it went from, you know, one person to another. It started with, you know, just a regular massage person. And then somebody else was like, hey, try this person, you know. And and to be honest with you, through the course of, you know, the first 12 years or so, I probably tried out, shit, 60, 70 different, you know, uh, body workers, you know, chiropractors, whatever, you know, that may be. And when it came down to it, I had a running um, – team of six people that was it what did those six people do 
I had a chiropractor. How um, often? Twice a week. Okay. I had a physio cryo masseuse. So he'd basically work on you, do all, like, for, like, two hours, and then he'd adjust you. So I saw him twice. I had an acupuncturist. Twice a week? Okay. Mm-hmm. I saw him back to back. I would see him Thursday because usually taking two days just to get through me to get everything right. Yeah. So I'd see him Thursday and then I have to practice on Friday. Okay. And then I see my other Cairo at the hotel on Saturday, and then again before I go to the game on Sunday. So how many times was you getting adjusted a week? Three. Okay. Um. So masseuse, I have chiropractor, uh, massage and dry dry needling was well, massage and acupuncture. Okay. I do that uh, once a week. I had a cupping and massage. I do that once a week. I had. How's uh, the cupping? You think it's. It helps perks? loosen up the fascia. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Especially anywhere where you like, you know. I haven't done stag- the cupping. Oh, yeah. Good combo with, with massage? It hurts, yeah. Yeah. But, um, and then dry needling. Did that uh, once a week, too. So. I think that's it. What other things did you spend money on for uh, your body? Equipment. Nutrition-wise or anything? Uh, supplements like crazy. Supplements? Mm-hmm. Equipment? Equipment. Um, when I say equipment, like hyperbaric chamber. Okay. Um, think it made a difference? Yeah, it did. For Definitely. sure? Oh, yeah. No, no doubt. About it. No question about okay. it. Okay. Yeah. You still um, use it today? Nope. Okay. Why? Because uh, I do something better. What? Ozone therapy. Burnett? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Well, I was doing it before. How often? Now? Yeah, yeah. Once every two, three, maybe four weeks. Depends how I feel. Okay. When I was playing. So the ozone therapy is better than the hyperbaric chamber? Mm, to me it is, yeah. For real? Yeah, I had a hyperbaric chamber for you know three, four years. And, and, you, f- and you feel it? I started doing the ozone therapy in uh, 12. I got rid of my chamber in 13. Yeah. Love it. Mm. What else? Uh, IV, vitamin drip, you know, same thing. And that's about it. Stem cell? Oh, yeah, I, just, yeah, I did stem cells. That would be, you know, either off-season or in-season. Um, what things do you do now? For same. I do 44, you banging them around pretty hard. I do, I do the same thing except for, uh, like, for injury stuff. I've added, like, uh, peptides. BBC, uh, Thymo B4, um, just all around health, Thymo A, A1. Still massage? Yeah. Still chiropractic? Yep. Cupping. Way less. Way, Way less. less, though. Uh, you know, I still do massage and acupuncture at least um, once a week. And then cupping, you know, I could go months, you know, without that. Dry needling, same thing, months. Uh, reps, reps wise, you going low reps? It just depends on what reps. what I'm doing. You know, I, I don't Switch go. I, I don't go no higher than like ten or twelve reps. You know, no whatever. higher than ten or twelve reps. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no higher than ten or twelve reps on anything that I do. And it depends on which phase you know we're in. You know, if we're starting off and we're so you know, switching we're it up. Yeah, yeah, it go through a whole, you know, whole whole program of usually. At least six months of programs before you start, you know, getting to where you're at three to five reps. And, you know, it's never, I mean, I do one rep max, but it's never on the sheet. You know what I'm saying? It's always no lower than three, 
And then I usually do no higher. Well, I take it back 15. No higher than 15. What, what, uh, when I see you in the gym, I put my headphones on. I don't talk to a lot of people uh, at the gym a ton. I don't see you talking to a ton of people. You got your headphones you mm-hmm. know, typically in. Uh, what are you listening to? It just depends on, you know, what's going on. If I'm, if I'm on a treadmill, like I'm done working out and I'm just walking, you know, for 45 minutes, whatever that may be, then I may be listening to, like, some old school R&B, like, real old school. Like, some old school R&B? Oh, yeah, like Al Like Green, how old school? Okay, like Al so old Green. school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Al okay. Green, Luther, um, Bobby Womack, all that, yeah. And then if I'm going heavy, then I'm listening to, like, some – Ignorant ass rap shit. Yeah. Like give me one or two. Uh, anything where you talking about but like who, somebody who, up? Who? Or I could go. I could go with some some little little thug. I could go with some. Uh, it's usually some uh, depends, man. It's really it could be it could be the baby. It could be so you new school. It could be it new could school be, rap nah, or I, old school. I don't. I don't. I'll go pop. That's my old school. That's my old school. I'm going pop. Yeah, like, I want to just get violent with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I go, I go pop. Uh, but you know, I listen to all the current stuff, like you know, Moneybag, um, Dolph, all that, uh, Kodak. So when you hit the weights, baby, all that. It's it's some it's some hardcore rap, and if if you're on the treadmill, it's it's the old school R and B, typically. Because that's a long time to be on that treadmill. <laughs> For real, you yeah. go forty five minutes on there. I can't now because of the knee, but normally anywhere from forty five to an hour, and you know, start at six incline, three miles an hour, and then like for the first, it won't, won't, my knee's not hurting. For the first twenty minutes, every five minutes, up the incline by one, so you go six, seven, eight, nine, ten, then you drop back down. Or you could go up to 12 and then drop back down to six for the rest of the time. And you could, you know, speed it up. I don't go no faster than uh, four miles an hour. So it's like three to four. And No hours. running? Mm-mm. Too much impact. So On that's the body. why I keep the incline. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't got to do that no more. No doubt. Um, that's why I keep the incline, you know, at like six or higher. And then you could, you still get a good workout. Believe me, try it. Favorite, favorite food? Cheat meal? Pancakes. <laughs> I could do about 25, 30 pancakes. One time. Yeah. One sitting, 25, 30 pancakes. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I thought I could eat. Yeah. I thought I could eat. That, no. I, I don't know if I could put down 25, 30 oh, pancakes. I'm getting a half pound of bacon with it, two and sausage. How often you having cheat meals a week? Shit, over the course of the last, since I uh, had surgery on my knee, hell, every other day. Okay. <laughs> No, starting uh, March uh, 5th, I'm going to go back to uh, cleaning it tightening up. Tightening it up a little bit? Yeah, I got to tighten it up a lot, dude. I went from I went from 10.6 body fat to now I'm at 21, 20.1. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, I got to get back 270, 280? Dude, I'm probably 290 right 290? now. 290? Yeah. What What do you feel best at? If I'm, Am I playing or just walking around? Walking around. What do you feel 275, best? 270. Okay. If I'm playing like 260. What what uh the supplements you gave me, mm-hmm. is that anything 
other people could get a hold of. Do you, oh yeah, yeah. You and could, I know you got the Debo. Yeah, you gear. can, you like, can go you, to optimumefx.com. Op, optimum. Yeah, optimumefx.com. It's direct to consumer, but it's all you know. It's no artificial flavors, you know, sweeteners, all that stuff. Um, everything passes, you know, WADA, NFL, NCAA testing protocols, all that. So you don't have to worry about it being any legal you know, uh, or banned substances in, you know, in the products and they work great. Some of them don't taste too good, but they work great. And the biggest thing with the taste issue is because of the natural no uh, doubt. flavoring. No doubt. If you add, you know, aspartame or something to it, you can make it taste great. But then you're looking at, you know, possibly messing up your gut health or whatever that may be. So that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. What was the stuff that you gave that you gave me? Neuroff. Neuroff? Neuroff. Okay. Yeah. That's the that's that's one of our biggest repeating uh, sales. So people who actually buy Neuroff, it's a 87, 89% return. They always 87 to 89% of the people come back and get it again. Yeah, that definitely worked. Oh yeah. For me. And it don't have you groggy when you wake up. Nah. You're ready to go. Yeah. Yep. It's not horrible tasting. But uh, I can, I can. You want something that tastes great. I don't want to taste great. I don't want to taste great. If you want something that tastes great. Because if you put it, it to taste got, great, a lot of times it got, it got yeah, yeah it I don't, don't want to, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Actually, when, when you were telling me about it, when I had it, I'm thinking, okay, this makes me a believer in what it is that you're saying that it's clean because it don't taste phenomenal. But I, I don't eat uh, typically all the time for it to taste Oh no question! Phenomenal. You yeah, know, most you, of the food right that I'm now, eating is not to just taste phenomenal. It's for it's for the the benefit. Right. You know what I'm saying? But that that gives me uh, great sleep, man. I feel oh, yeah. I feel rested and in, in, uh, in recovery 100. Oh, yeah. percent So it's I do the same to to thing. So when it. I get when I get done working out, I take a scoop just to bring it down because I take the neuron before I go in. I ain't give you the neuron, did I? The neuron tastes even worse, but works better than anything any pre-workout activator you'll find without I need that. jitters i need that or anything else so that's the you know the yin and the yang and it's clean oh yeah it's clean everything's all our products are clean all of them certified you know tested for sport all that yeah it's right there on the label yeah that's that that worries me the more that i dig into the researching of the mm -hmm. health and, and the body and everything oh, yeah. comes from the gut you know the mm -hmm. the gut health is the supplements that I take and the supplements that people take, man, I'm all about reading that label now and right. seeing what's, what's in it. And, uh, I love taking, I hate saying that I, I gotta, you know, do anything cause it's up here, mm -hmm. but I, I, I love taking a pre-workout, you know what I mean? And, and to have some form of pre-workout that is, that is clean and can still get you that, right. That feel, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? That, that energy, I gotta definitely got to try that out. Yeah. It's not, it's not sure. a, so ours is more of a, uh, it's more of a neural uh, transmitter, neural activator. You know, it's more for brain function. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you're hitting on all cylinders, you can, you know, you feel better, you do things better, all that stuff. You go longer, stronger, all that. So it's not a, it's not a caffeine, you know, loaded thing. Might have as much uh, caffeine in it as a cup of coffee. We actually have one that's stem free that has no stimulants in it, point blank period. Um, you know, that's actually one that I give to my son. So it, uh, it helps him, you know, especially with, uh, you know, memory things as far as, you know, getting ready to, uh, take tests, school stuff, work, all that. Yep. No doubt. Any other things you got going on 
you know, for people that are interested in following you or any businesses you got going on other than I see you That's was wrestling it, out there. Uh, that was in that movies was, or something like that. That was Hills. That was on uh, Stars. They did season one. That was season one that I was in. They just finished season two a little while ago. Don't know when season two coming out, but I wasn't in season two. Um, hopefully they get a season three and then I can come back for three. So season one, Stars, mm-hmm. what, what was it? Hills. Hills. H-E-E-L-S, like wrestling hills, hills okay. and faces. Okay. Yeah. And you was on there body slamming cats. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, playing a character called. Did you pick uh, it up good? You pick it up easy? Yeah, it's not. We didn't. Well, that wrestling, as you saw, wasn't a whole lot of it. You know what I'm saying? So the character I play is a dude called uh, Apocalypse. He's a recovering, you know, uh, addict. Uh, and he's kind of loyal to the DWL. And uh, this family that's trying to build this small town wrestling thing into like a big WWE type thing. Love it. Yeah. We, uh, you know, I know when, when I reached out to ask you if you would come on the podcast, it took some took some guts, you know, because I'm like, man, I could see you with the meme mug, you know, shutting a lot of, <laughs> lot of people down. And then, and then I'm like, man, I know the dude didn't go to the White House, you know, when, when it, they won the Super Bowl, and, you know, most of the time I think the, the vibe when you win a Super Bowl, the thing, did, did, they, did they do Disney? Is it Disney in the White House? No, you just well, all or players the, do the White House. The MVP usually does uh, Disney. The MVP does Disney, but yeah. all the players do the White House. Yeah, and you didn't go to the White House. Said I don't want to go to the White House. Yeah, so I'm like, man, to. dude didn't come to the White House. I got a real slim chance of getting him to come into the Grindcast Studio. Yeah, I didn't need to go to the White House, man. I ain't go either time. Like you know, it was a big to do uh, when I didn't go when Obama was there, but it wasn't a big to do when you know Bush was there. So I'm trying to figure out what was the issue. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you, man. I appreciate you coming out. Thanks and for having me. Spending time with us on the grind cast and no uh, pouring in, pouring into the people, man. So we appreciate everything you do and glad to have you in the community and uh, love the way that you played the game, man. Even though I wasn't a, a, a Steelers fan, I was a, I was, I was a James Harrison fan, the way that you, the way that you played the game. Bro. I appreciate that. So, and, and seeing how you still move and grind and, and operate in the morning is is uh inspiring you know also i love love to see it so but thank you man we appreciate your time and uh thanks to everybody for uh listening to another episode of the grindcast get ready it's a new day